Welcome back to the 2R1 podcast, where we study the Bible together as a married couple. I'm Taylor. I'm Elisa. And we're glad you're back with us. Tonight we will be in Acts chapter 5. It's been a while. Last time we were together, it was Acts chapter 4. The title was, We Can't Help It. Tonight the title is, Fighting God. Then we're going to review the new Kanye West album that's not so new anymore, but we've been working on it for a while. So uh, we hope you enjoy it. Hope you get some, uh, some wisdom from it. And uh, sit back and enjoy the ride. We'll see you guys in a bit. It has been a while since we were together back in late October. Has it been that long? It has. October 30th was our last podcast. But there has been all kinds of stuff going on. Everything from sickness to holidays and schedules and um, just all kinds of things. But we've been working on this podcast for a while, trying to run down some interviews with some young people and get some audio uh, samples to respond to. So I have to, to give you credit. I really hadn't done anything, but you've worked yes, really you hard on this. You've supported me. <laughs> yes, you have. So we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a little different feel tonight. Uh, it's been a while, so um, possibly a little rusty, but we're going to jump right in. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 5. Again, the title is Fighting uh, Blank God. So if you look at it, it's actually got a, a, uh, an underline or a blank between fighting and God. So fighting mm-hmm. God, that hints the Paul. Are you, you know? going to fight for him or are you going to fight against him? Go ahead and spoil it. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right I read ahead. Um, so, Lisa, if you will go ahead and read for us while I get my headphones working here. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, we're at Acts 5. We're going to start in 1 through 11. But a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and bought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it, remains un- while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it then that you have contrived this deed in your heart. You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Father, thank you so much for your word. Father, thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, even in seasons of sickness and seasons of busyness, Father. We know that you're faithful and that you're working all things together for our good. Father, thank you that you have not left us alone to figure this out, Lord, but you have uh, revealed yourself. Uh, You said in Romans 1, you've revealed yourself to all men, to all women, both uh, through the way you speak to us inside, Lord, and the way you've revealed yourself to us through your creation, Father, and in these last days, through your Son, Jesus, and through your Word, Father, and you've given us a copy of it, Lord, and I pray that we would be um, hearers of the Word and doers of the Word and stewards of the Word, Lord, that we would walk by faith and not by sight, Lord, that we wouldn't wonder which way to go, Lord, but that we would seek you on the front end. We ask you to bless the reading of your Word tonight, Father. Speak to us. Give us revelation and wisdom. Take each of us deeper. Bless those who hear it, Lord, and I pray that you would just go before us tonight and speak through us. Forgive us of our sins and wash us clean, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, babe, what speaks to you in this first 11 verses here? The wife. The wife. <laughs> and you're speaking, you're speaking first. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, 
it's, I think if you're married, it's impossible not to look at the wife's point of view if you're a wife. And, you know, technically, she didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> but that's, that's a good point. I mean, she wasn't, I'm assuming, not the one that made that decision. It made it pretty clear that, you know, the wife, the husband was made this decision. She was fully aware of it, didn't try to stop him at all, and maybe even encouraged it. And we know, surely, since she suffered the same fate, that God determined she did something wrong. Yeah, so I have it pictured like, and, you know, I always joke about, yes, you are the head of the house, but I'm the neck, and I can turn the head <laughs> however I want it to go. Right. And so I do think she could have stopped it, even though he's the spiritual head and he's the leader and he may make the decisions. I still think she could have stopped him. I think that it really comes down to one word. Um, the whole first 11 verses, and I agree with everything that you're saying, um, but really these first 11 verses are not about money. Mm -mm. It all comes down to one word, and that is the lie. Or mm -hmm. that's two words, but lie. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to say lie because that by itself could be lying down or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm just mean the untruth of it. Mm -hmm. And Peter the says, untruth. you have not lied to men. Mm -hmm. But you've lied to God. So even in a situation where the man is the head and the wife is being submissive to the man, at the end of the day, God is the head of the mm -hmm. man. And so that so God is even higher than so her her submission, her obedience, her who she sided with should have been God and mm -hmm. so the conviction she had a choice in that moment. So this is, just to review from previous podcasts, this is really the birth of the church. This is when things are really moving quickly, and God is moving quickly. He's doing amazing things. So this is a very special time in the church, a, a time of mm -hmm. intense growth, intense movement of God. So it's all the more important that holiness and truth uh, is found at the core of the group mm -hmm. that God is using to birth the church all over the world. And so up until this point, there's really no, there's not a lot of um, inner turmoil in the church. This is really the first situation in the new church age that, you know, after Jesus has gone back to heaven, that there's some drama mm -hmm. and some unholiness and some sin that's really found at the center of the church. Mm -hmm. I mean, before this, you don't really read of anybody in leadership or, or anybody in leadership having to deal with, you know, the sin that that we see all the time, both in and out of the church in 20, 2020. Yeah. And I mean, we, that has to be made known because it sounds so harsh when you first read this story. And the fact that, you know, they I'm sure they gave a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I gave a lot and they got caught. They made a mistake, a pretty bad mistake. And the penalty was death, you know, and it seems really harsh. But again, it wasn't about the money. It was... You could even say it wasn't even about the lie. It was more about breaking that unity. Mm. You know, that's a good, that's a good. I mean, that's how serious God was about His church then. Mm -hmm. It really wasn't about them. That's really good. I haven't thought about it like that. It's really not about the lie. It's about it's about them kind of derailing the awesome path that the church trying to derail mm -hmm. and, and not so, even realizing they were about to derail it. And so even it shows his his seriousness, God's seriousness about the church, but even more so, it shows his grace because had that disrupted the unity that they had going on, it would have decreased their power and it would have decreased the number of souls getting saved. Amen. And so without that, you know, God knows what's coming next. He knows if that was going to keep going or... So, we, you know, that's where you just have to trust that, man, glad I didn't have to make that judgment call. Yeah. You know, I'm glad he knows. And, and I do want to make sure everybody realizes that this is not God's way of saying, hey, you can't keep back some of what you've gained for yourself. This is about, you know, what about the truthfulness, about, about being honest with what you are giving and giving not grudgingly and not with malice and not with, you know, kind of backdoor type motives. I mean, when yeah. you give a gift, it needs to be pure. And this was an impure gift. Yeah, this what was, was the motive here? 
And and that's I love Peter's how he addresses that. He doesn't like come out and say you liar, you hypocrite. He gets him to realize I was a liar and I was a hypocrite. Why did I do that? What was the purpose? And it was to look good. You know, he cared about his image. And then my heart gets tugged on that too cuz we're all guilty of that a little bit, wanting to look mm-hmm. good before everybody else. Yep. We want that image that you know, you see other people giving everything to God, and you want to be able to do that, that passionately and that, um, just that committed. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not that easy. And some people make it look so easy. And some people act like they're doing it, and they're not, mm-hmm. which is what happened here. Mm-hmm. And this really should serve as a warning to us. You know, um, scripture. This should be a warning to us. We should remember this when we think about what we're giving to God, whether it's financially or whether it's our, ourselves or our time, you know, and God doesn't want something if it's not given with the right motive. And if there is some bit of evil or malice or deception sprinkled into it, our gifts need to be um, ungrudgingly and they need to be with our, you know, with our whole heart. We need to want to if you don't want to give it, you might as well not give it because God does not want it, doesn't want to accept it as impure. And, you know, I've thought about that. How would you fight that temptation and that fleshly want to to look good before everybody else? How do you, what he, should Ananias done there? I, again, the issue is not that he kept some back. It's that he lied to the Holy Spirit moving in the church. So Ananias could have been like, listen, Peter, you know, we're really wanting to take a trip, me and my wife, to Dollywood, and we, <laughs> we really want to go. It can, we're going to, next year, we'll, we'll give more than this year, but we're going to keep back some of it this year. We're going to give it to God. I've prayed about it. I have a piece about it, and there you go. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, try, it's trying to hide it. Or know. even if you want to, and, and, and you're just scared, you know, saying that, like, I, I want to be able to give it all, but I'm terrified and I just can't do it with a pure heart right now. Yeah. Right. And then Peter could have said, well, let's, let's me and you talk about it. Let's, let's see what scripture has to say. It. Let's yeah. pray about it. You know, that's that discipleship. But so many times those issues go unresolved because things are hidden and things are not confessed and things are not, people are afraid to ask questions and there needs to be more openness in the body there needs to be Mm -hmm. and and we when we say that out loud we can't say that out loud unless we're will and and mean it without unless we're willing to not take offense when things get said so we as christians need to have a thicker skin when somebody asks a question be like i mean i'm having a hard time with the trinity like what does that mean to be like you're having a hard time with the trinity (laughs) are you sure you're saved like that's not the reaction we're supposed to have like what I struggle with, what I have questions about, what boggles my mind and I'm struggling with, is not the same as others. So we create we create that kind of barrier when we take offense, when we're short with people, when we're not willing to disciple, when we're not willing to be patient with people and help walk through this life with people in the faith. So mm-hmm. that needs to be something that the church in 2020 needs to concentrate more on. We're all different. God's got all different kind of color crayons in the crayon box, and He's got us there for a reason to paint a beautiful portrait. And we need to, you know, embrace that and and try and be patient with people. Mm-hmm. So they're buried right next to each other. You know what I thought about at the end of this? I know we got to move on because we got a lot to cover tonight. But it says the young men rose and buried them. I'm thinking, man, these young men, like what, 15, 14 to eighteen, they just buried two people in three hours. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like. They're, they're thinking, oh, my gosh. And the second thing is they're probably war slap out. But then there, it doesn't really say, and I thought about researching this, it doesn't say how they were buried. We know how Jesus was buried. He was buried in the side of a cliff that was hewn out of the rock and a stone rolled in front of it. So I don't know if I don't know if there was tons of manual labor going here, if they just had to carry the body. I'm not sure. But either way, that's not your normal Saturday for a teenager. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's, I haven't thought at all about it's that. It's kind of, you know, it's a serious thing. But well, everybody was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I keep going back to the wife. and You know, when she comes back in, she had no idea what had gone down. She didn't know her husband was dead mm-hmm. yet. And she was just trying to keep, keep the party line, you know? Yeah. I mean, he asked her. He gave her a chance to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. You think you would have been able to read the room a little better. <laughs> but The dudes sitting over all the young men over there sweating like, with dirt on them. Did you give them? this like, much? You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I can't 
quite put myself there, but then I feel really sorry for her. Like she's just, she's got her husband's back, you know, like she knew that he had already told this lie. She didn't want him to get caught. Like I sympathize for a little bit. I can't help it. Um, But that just goes to show like that has been one of my areas as this Christian walk that I've had to work on is being more submitted as that husband has the leader role. And um, there's some things you shouldn't submit about, and you got to be able to discern that, Mm -hmm. you know? And and yes, I'm sure you could say that he was supposed to protect her and just like Adam was supposed to protect Eve, but Eve's the one that bit in the apple. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, it's a partnership still. Think about this. And we'll, Ask this question, we won't answer it, we'll move on. This is what really stumps me in this whole first 11 verses. Did they go to heaven? I've thought about that. <laughs> I mean, that's a big one. I've thought about that. So y'all stew on that out there. Well, nobody knows. Nobody knows, but it's certainly worth discussing. All right, so uh, let's go, what, 12 through, what, 16? Yeah, I think so. Okay, sweet. You go ahead. All right, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the stick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Take it away, babe. (laughs) I wish people wanted my shadow. (laughs) You know, that's not the right heart for that. You know, that's just like what... It is. There's holiness behind that one. It's kind of just... It's nestled right up next to what Ananias was wanting by... I don't think so. I know you. That's not why you want it. Well, that's not why you want it because you know there's people that need, you know, God's touch. That's why you want it. That's true. I want to be able to bring that kind of power of the Holy Spirit with me. Right. For sure. I know you. You. That's that's not why you want it. You want it for a good reason. I know you. So thank you. I I believe that. (laughs) But we got to check that. We do. Yeah. I mean, we should always be circumspect of our. On motives, Jeremiah said, you know, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked and who can know it? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we, we have to check our wants and make sure that they're... And that, that again, goes back to what God kind of brought to my, my mind and my heart during the prayer. Being a people of the Word, you know, the, the Word of God divides. It rightly divides our motives and it mm-hmm. speaks and it cuts to the very heart of what we are and what we want. And and if we're not, if we're not running our life choices and our, and our decisions and our wants and our needs past the clear lens of the, of the word, then we're going to miss it. And we're going to miss when we're getting out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned something in the first part and that was the unity. And we talked about that in previous podcasts. God, it's not that he's not the author of confusion. We've talked about that also. I know that there's a scripture in one translation that says God is not the author of confusion. Um, I think that God, there's stories in the Bible that suggest that God does confuse situations or people for a reason or a purpose, but God does not take pleasure in confusion and doesn't move among a body when there is contention and confusion in it. And so the reason why these signs and miracles were happening with these apostles is because of the purity of this Mm -hmm. early church. And like Elisa said, had God not stopped this sin from taking root and being hidden in the body, then all of these signs and miracles, all of these people that got touched by Peter's shadow that were healed, all of these people that were possessed by demons that, that were cast out, none of that would have been possible had God allowed a root of evil and deception to take root in the Mm -hmm. body. So this second section hinges on God's judgment in the first section. Mm -hmm. And so many times people outside the faith look at God's judgment and they say, oh, because God punished these people, that makes God a vengeful or evil God. No, God does everything to uh, protect, preserve, and promote life and holiness. Mm -hmm. And God sometimes deems that some must 
be punished. Some must even die that others may live, that mm-hmm. others may go on. Yeah, and, we have to remember he's got the big picture up there. He's got the the full vision, and amen. he knows he knows what's going to be the greatest outcome. Amen. Um, but I think it's I think there's a part of us, Elisa, that should want our shadow to be that used by God. I almost said that powerful, but it's not a power in us. But we want that. Mm -hmm. We crave for that as believers because that means that God is present and moving and working. And that's what anybody that, that is a Christian, that should be our desire. It should always be more. It should always be deeper. And we have people in our lives, people that I know that you know, that we all know that are hurting, people that need a touch, people that are sick, you know, older family, you know, young young people who are afflicted. We need mm-hmm. we need God both externally and physically and internally and spiritually. Um so I like that it says and they were all healed. Mm-hmm. You know. Um you know, we hear of healings passively and stuff like that, but again, it goes back to the purity of the church, the unity that allows God God's power to be present. And everyone that that was brought to them was healed. Okay, so we're going to go 17 through 32. Okay. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. That was a mouthful. Thank you. <laughs> it was. Let me take a breath. <laughs> okay. So it, the next section kind of pivots, and it talks about how the the apostles still preaching in the temple, this Jesus, uh, the high priests arrest them, the temple guards arrest them on the orders of the high priest. Yeah, I mean, it switches. We were just talking about all that unity and all this movement of God, and because of their unity and purity in the church, they were able to, God was able to work through them and heal all. You know, that's how it ended. So, of course, if you got something like that going on, the devil's going to be... Yes. He's going to be moving, too. And and the religious people are going to be up in arms yeah. because they're like, oh, yeah, the devil yours works. looks real, mine looks fake. we got to stop this. Yes, the devil works through religion probably in more than he does Absolutely. anywhere else. So they're arrested and thrown in jail. During the night, an angel of the Lord comes and opens the prison doors. And this is probably the quote that I take away from this the most. The angel tells them to go... Stand and continue to tell the people in the temple the the whole message of this life. That's actually the amplified version there. I mean, sorry, <laughs> sounded like a frog. <laughs> so it says, "Go tell them about this life," and we could just go on and on about that for a long time. But even the amplified version capitalizes that word, and. 
there should be such a difference that it really is a marker that defines life before we knew Jesus, life after we knew Jesus. Like this life, it's not just a story. It's not just, you know, a message. It's not just forgiveness. It's not just eternity in heaven or eternal life in heaven. This life, it is, it is a, it is a, to repent means to turn around and go the other way, to go on the, the path of righteousness, to seek after God. The, this life, that word really encompasses everything. And we as Christian people, need, we, need to, we need to be seen by others that are not followers of Jesus to be seen in this life. They need to be, like Elisa mm-hmm. said, they need to be like, oh my gosh, these, these things are happening. You're different. This is crazy. Oh my gosh. It needs to be constantly people looking and being like, what is this <laughs> way of life that they're living? How, why is it that they forgave that person that you know stole 200 bucks out of their wallet? Why is it that they're eating with homeless people? Why is it that they don't get angry like they used to? How is it that their marriage is so 100%, 100% that, that the man's living sacrificially for the wife and the wife is submissive to the husband yet not subordinate to the husband. How, how are all these things? Our life, our new life in Jesus should create tons of questions in the minds of people that see it. And you can't always explain it. You can't always put a finger on it. But somehow, some way, when people look at us, they need to be like, huh, Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it may this just be—they may not even mentally process it. It might just be something in their spirit that is questioning it. You know, they may not even consciously be aware of the. Hmm. It just may be something deeper than that. And and let me add this little note onto it too, so people don't. Get, but it needs to be like, what? Why? What is that? And I want that. Yeah. That need to be like, what's wrong with them? Like I don't. Yeah, want that's kind of what happened when I when you changed over, and I was like, what? <laughs> Where did my husband go? But at the same time, when that happened, there was still goodness from a husband's role there. There was still a husband that asked what you needed and checked on you. It wasn't like... It was bizarre. It was (laughs) (laughs) bizarre. One day I'll have to share that whole story. Yep. We'll do like my perspective and your perspective. (laughs) That could be like a book. Yeah. I was mourning. Yeah. It was a big change. It was. But it's been the best ever. And I would say that everybody around you, I don't know, they quit telling me about it because I think I finally was like, okay, I got to have that. Whatever he's got, I need to have it. And um, But there was a lot of people questioning, like, what's up with Taylor? Oh, definitely. <laughs> it definitely. was certainly, uh, it was an overnight thing and a change and a turn of direction. And it was awesome. It was, it was, it's awesome now. It is awesome. <laughs> but, but then it was very bumpy. Um, but the thing that I would remember, that I do remember most from that time, is I remember all of a sudden craving the Word of God. Mm-hmm. I remember you going to bed and me not being able to stop and just looking at it and reading the words in red, being like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe Jesus actually said that. Like, I can't believe this actually happened, even though I'd heard these stories my whole yeah, life. Yeah, isn't it weird? He just opens the eyes of your heart. <laughs> and like, oh suddenly gosh, you can process he it. He just talks smack to the king of, the, of Judah, like, whatever. Like, I, you know, I remember just seeing it for like, and, and somehow and being able to be there. You when, can't turn away from it, you know? And that's exactly what happened with Peter here. You know, they have just been put into jail. And an angel lets them out and tells them to keep going. So they can't not, yeah. you know, they, it doesn't matter that they realize they could die in yeah. hours, minutes from here. Yeah. You know, what else do people do to you when you get out of jail? You escape prison. <laughs> right. The consequences go up. Yeah. Regardless. So, but no, they, they didn't think about that. And so that's what I kind of thought about. Like what, if I really want my shadow to possess God's power, Am I willing to do what Peter was willing to do? Mm-hmm. Now, Peter had a couple chances to, thank right. God. Right. God's not going to, you know, I feel like Ananias had some chances. Right. We probably don't know his whole backstory. Right. But am I willing to do that? Am I willing to give everything? 
Am I willing to go to jail? Am I willing to be separated from my family even? I mean, that's the, the yeah. height of it right there. I mean, what are you really willing to do for the Lord to yeah. get that to get that healing shadow? To whom much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're told to go. They preach again. Then they come, the temple guards come again and arrest them again and mm-hmm. get onto them and say, you're spreading your doctrine. Mm-hmm. You know, and here we calling go us murderers. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. You're telling people we killed this Jesus and you know, you're spreading your doctrine all over, and that's all they're worried about is doctrine. They're just worried about the perception of the people, mm-hmm. which basically means the control of the people. They're worried about their power and their position. And so that's what they get onto them as right there. Mm-hmm. Um and then in thirty three. Are we there? Well, so then Peter mentions what we talked about in the last podcast. Peter says, yeah. we, we must obey God, not men. We can't, at the end of the day, we're obeying God, not you. So he kind of closes those verses with that. Then let's, let's do 33 through the end of the chapter. All right. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, Gamaliel, yep. Gamaliel a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thetis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. There's several things that stand out, but you go ahead, babe. Start us off. (laughs) I mean, first of all, the fact that they were about to kill them. Like, that's right. They They went out, they started preaching. If they had assumed that they might die from that, they were actually right. They were about to do that had um, Gamaliel not talked some sense in them. Yeah. And and just to put perspective on Gamaliel, later on in the book of Acts, um, Paul will come into play, and Paul studied at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was basically Paul's tutor, mm-hmm. and he was esteemed highly by all the people. And so he was adamantly lies. against them. Yes, he was steeped in the law. I mean, he mm-hmm. was a, he was a Pharisee. So they've called together the elite of Israel. This is the the Sanhedrin, the council of the elders, and the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees. This is everybody super important that had proven themselves to be a, a, a person who has memorized and knows the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't all agree on what constituted as the Old Testament, but they all agreed on the first four books of the Bible. And then they were all very familiar with scripture, that, so they considered themselves to be experts. Therefore, they esteemed themselves more important than other people. And here's Gamaliel, who seems to be one of them. But somehow Gamaliel in this moment realizes, just like we said earlier, there is something different. There's something about these men that I cannot explain, and it's a goodness. Mm-hmm. This is not men seeking power. This is not men hurting people. These are miracles we've we've never seen happen. Gamaliel was going, hmm, just like what we were talking about. He was he was one of those. And, and whatever happened to Gamaliel, did he? I think this is really the last we hear of him speaking that I know of. I mean, later he recognizes on. that this seems like it is God, and, and you don't want to be opposing him. Yes, and the wisdom of that statement is just, it's just so, you know, it reminds me of something that my dad would say. It seems so obvious, so clear, and so easy, but yet it's so profound, and it cuts through the insanity of the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, they're wanting to kill these men who have done nothing wrong, really, but challenge their authority. and Hurt their ego. Hurt their ego. But on the flip side, they have done miracles. I mean, Peter's shadow Mm -hmm. is healing people. So when Gamaliel says, 
remember these other two guys that did what would, in your mind, be a similar thing. They got all these people to follow them, and they had these uprisings, which they were doing, um, you know, not evil, but they were doing, it was, it was violence. These other movements were movements based on violence and rebellion. And uh, they came to naught. The leaders died, and the, and, and the followers fell away. And so Gamaliel says, you know, either... He's using logic to yeah. appeal, you know. And he, this makes perfect sense. It does. And he said, you can, you can try and stop this, but if you do, you may find yourself fighting God. That's the way mine words it. Mm-hmm. You know, leave this alone. If it's fake, if it's, if it's not from God, it will fall apart just like the others. But if you fight it, you may find yourself fighting God. And that's where the title of the message comes from. And I'll, I'll put the, the blank under there, just like you referenced earlier, Lisa, that we can put a word in between those two words, fighting God. So it seems like just a weird title to call it fighting God, but you're either fighting against God or you're fighting for God. You know, you see the opposites at work here. You see these men who are fighting for God and God's gospel and the salvation of souls. And then you see men who are actually fighting against God, but have, but think they're fighting for and, God. And I think something interesting is the ones who were fighting for God were not fighting men. You know, we, we get called up in that. Like we take the things so personal, you know, if I want to do this ministry or whatever, and there's people that have a problem with it, we want to defend ourselves. We want to defend what God has rightfully told us to do. Like you can't, you know, but they didn't get caught up in that part of it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. They weren't focused on trying to defend what God had told them to do to these important people. They were only going to do what God told them to do. And they just, they wanted them to fight back, you know, mm-hmm. and they never did. And that was, Jesus didn't either. And that's another thing that makes them pause and think there's there's some legitimacy to this. Um, but by way of application in our lives, to take from this chapter how we can apply this in our lives, what is not of God and from God and spoken and directed by God will fail mm-hmm. every time. That includes businesses, churches, marriages, families, schools, you name it. If God has not willed it to be, willed it to happen, it will ultimately fail. Now, the definition of failure may be subjective. Um, you know, my definition of failure may not be the world's definition of failure. And what looks like success can actually mm-hmm. be failure. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing examples of that in the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin. They seem, by all accounts, to be successful, but they've missed the mark. They've missed the mark. And so let us as believers make sure that we are fighting the right fight in the words of mm-hmm. Blair Joyner who quotes somebody else I can't remember um, <laughs> this the, is a quote of a quote quote of a quote <laughs> I'm trying to uh, you know reference my sources but I'm, I don't know my original source but let's make sure we're fighting the right fight and then we can have peace which is the goal of life really mm-hmm. is peace everybody's looking for it but you can't buy it but if we just seek the Lord and we do what we think God wants us to do, we can have peace that it will be what God wants it to be, whether it's the success by the world defines it or whether it's just by God's definition alone. Sometimes those align and they're the same. Sometimes they aren't. But we can have the peace knowing that we will succeed through uh, God's divine providence and His, His provision and His desire for us to do the next phase of His plan in our lives. So what was the quote? <laughs> Fight the right fight. Fight the right fight. Gotcha. Fight the right fight. Fight the right fight. That's good because stuff, Because if we don't fight the right fight, we will not prevail if our desire is in opposition to God's desire. Um, even if God gives us the desire of our heart that is in rebellion to His desire, we may get what we want, but it will not be what we thought it would be. And we will not have peace and we'll be miserable. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have to circle the mountain one more time, come back to God and be like, okay, now I'm ready. He's like, you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. I was just trying to explain that to our kids. Let's just stop walking around the mountain. Let God show us the shortcut and let's move on. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. 
Uh, and we're going to review the Kanye West album. We've got some, some audio snippets we're going to listen to, and then we're going to react to them. So we'll see you guys in just a bit. Welcome back. So we're going to get into the review of this Kanye West album. We've been in the works for a while, but it's taken us a while to kind of put the pieces together. Elisa, take us back to how this started, please. Well, a long time ago now, when when he started coming out with this new album and promoting it, you know, people could see some changes already with Kanye. He was already, you know, giving shout outs to the Lord. He had he had been proclaiming that he was now a follower of Jesus and when he's coming out with this album and, and finally was starting to open up about it and promote it and talk about his experience, he got a lot of, what's the word? Flack. <laughs> or what is it, clap back now or something like that? Oh, I, we're looking for a, like a hit. Yeah, my oh, students, my they're trying to teach me all this stuff and I can't <laughs> ever let it stick. But, you know, what was interesting to me is how he said the Christians were the worst you yeah. know, the people who say that they love the Lord were not supporting him. And they may have had some good reasons why they were, you know, maybe against it or, or whatever. But it is very interesting to me that, you know, he couldn't get love from either side. The people who weren't believers were like, oh, Kanye, he's gone, he's lost his mind. And the believers weren't showing much support. And Again, there may be some justification to that. You are supposed to test the spirits, and he's got a huge platform, and I understand the concern. You know, you don't want him leading people the wrong way, but it's kind of like what we just studied. You know, if it's from God, it's gonna fa- it's gonna be great. If it's not from God, it's it's gonna fail. Mm-hmm. You know, so we haven't really given him much of a chance. So we're gonna get into some of that a little bit of that talk after we listen to these sound bites. So um, here we go. We're going to start with the young people and their response. Uh, Here we go. I think Kanye West's new album is both positive and negative to the Christian religion. Um, But overall, I think it's more positive. I think this because Kanye West is a rapper. He's known as a rapper. And he hasn't had the cleanest songs before. Um, And the way he's like shown himself as he lived isn't really like a Christian. Well... This new album came out, and it's like, wow, is this even the same Kanye West? And it just shows that when you accept Jesus in your life and you're saved, there is that change. And it shows that Jesus can take the worst sinner, which we're all sinners, he can take that and remake it into something new. And by living in him and through him, is more positive and provides an example to those that may think, oh, I've already messed up too much or how could I ever be a Christian that you can? Like, it's never too late. It's never too late to accept Jesus into your heart and be made new again. So overall, Kanye West's new album has a positive aspect on the Christian religion. I believe Kanye West's album, Jesus is King, is a very impactful album. I think it's important for him to put God in his music. Uh, it impacts his listeners, and he's just changing it up, which is very original. I think that Kanye's new album is really good for the Christian community just because it shows how anyone can change no matter what they've done. Personally, I love the album, even though I know a lot of people don't. As far as the new Jesus is King album by Kanye, I think you can only see this as a positive. If you can look down on this and see this as a negative uh, of someone who's lived in sin and uh, is claiming that they found Christ and they're going to make a change in their life, uh, I just can't see eye to eye with you on that one. Um, if Kanye is truly doing this for God and not himself for publicity, then then God will work through him, through, work through his music and move some people. I know in this, this, the society today, 
um, kind of frowns upon Christians for being like judgmental and hypocritical, but we all sin and we're no better than the next person. Um, so Kanye is really putting his career, his reputation, his family on the line uh, for this album, for God. And uh, I don't think a wealthy man like Kanye, a big named man like Kanye would do that for no reason. I think that God is truly working through him and uh, he's a positive thing to the Christian belief. Kanye has let the world know what fashion has done for him. Now he's letting the world know what God has done for him. Setting aside his ego and dedicating himself to a higher power that the world needs to know about. In my eyes, album of the year. My opinion on this album is good. I think that Kanye West stepping up and stepping out is good for, you know, Christianity. Um, but he needs to recognize that he's a target um, for both Christians and non-Christians. People are going to see how he handles stuff, the way he acts, his language, his attitude, um, how he looks at money, how he looks, I mean, everything. Everything is going to be put on a, basically on a pedestal, and, and people are going to watch him, and they're going to see how he handles it. And in one of his songs, he the, it writes that God is the strength in this race that I run, which is a reference to Isaiah forty thirty one. But for those who hope in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So, so Wes knows. He knows what he's got going against him. But it, it's kind of like a football game. If you're on the sideline, you're not going to get hit. No one's going to mess with you. You're just chilling. But the moment that you step out and you put on that jersey, you, you put on Christ's jersey, not only is everyone on the sideline watching you, but the people on the field are watching you. They're trying to make sure you're accountable to the them and then also the other team that the devil is going to put you as a he's going to put a, a marker on your head and say we're hitting this guy go for this guy go for his gut you know what I mean because you're stepping up against him and so Kanye West needs to realize that that people are looking up to him and people are also looking to destroy him and he has to hold close and hold faith to God and that's the same thing that you know every Christian needs to do, but especially someone who has stepped out and is someone that people look up to and look at. They need to be very adamant in the Word, praying non-ceasingly. They need to be very, very, very cautious of how they carry themselves, how they portray themselves, how they portray their family, because it's, it's important to make sure that you're putting God first in all actions, not just one aspect of your life, in all of your life because God doesn't like a lukewarm Christian. He'd rather have it hot or cold, lukewarm, he'd spit out of his mouth. So it's, it's, I think it's good, but he needs to make sure of what he does and how he handles things. And I don't know. I, I mean, I've listened to the album. I think it's a good album, but I guess we'll just have to see. So that was several young people with their reactions to Kanye's album. Up next, we have a few clips of Kanye speaking, and then we have a clip of one of his songs from his album. Here we go. I'm going to tell you exactly when the Forbes wants to call me a centimillionaire and people say it's crass to call yourself a billionaire, I might legally change my name to Christian <laughs> genius billionaire Kanye West for a year until, <laughs> until y'all understand exactly what it is. So even for someone who's professing God and saying this is going to be a, God, a gospel album, the devil's going to come and do everything he can to distract people from knowing how to fully be in service to the Lord. And all of that arrogance and confidence and cockiness that y'all seen me use uh, before God is now using for him. And he leaned in and said, you know, Satan is as powerful as God. And that is the mentality that people have a lot of times when they're in service to fame, money, manpower, you start to feel like Satan is the most powerful. And you start to feel like if you service God, that in life, it means you will not prosper. And the only way to prosper is in service to fame. And it, you know, 
It's like the devil stole all the good producers. <laughs> the devil stole all the good musicians, all the good artists, all the good designers, all the good business people, and said, you gotta come over and work for me. And now the trend, the shift, is going to, sh to change. Jesus has won the victory. Now I told you about my, my arrogance and cockiness already. Now, the greatest artist that God has ever exist, uh, created is now working for him. There's so many things that we've done where to maintain the idea of coolness, you know, we have our own daughters and we'll still be rapping about trying to hook up with somebody's daughter. Like not taking the responsibility as a man. That's why I say the song, Closed on Sunday is the hardest record ever made. It's hard as the NWA record. Because it's talking about protecting your kids from the indoctrination of the media. The thousands and thousands of images that are fed to children by the age of six or seven. And within those images, there are images mixed in that we don't know about as parents that are purposely mixed in to lower the kids' superpower and esteem so that they can be more susceptible to consumption and feel that they need to consume and become a part of the robotic numeric system that controls so many, so much of the media. Nothing worse than a hypocrite Change, he ain't really different He ain't even try to get permission Ask for advice and they dissed him Said I'm finna do a gospel album What have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first one to judge me Make it feel like nobody loved me They'll be the first one to judge me Feeling like nobody loved me Told people God was my mission What have you been hearing from the Christians? They'd be the first one to judge me Make it feel like nobody loved me Make you feel alone in the dark And you never see the light Man, you never see in home Man, you never see the domes I can feel it when I write Point of living in the right If they only see the wrongs Never listen to the songs Just to listen is a fight But you whoop me for the fight It's so hard to get along If they only see the slight From the love of religion What are you being from the Christians? That's my favorite song out of the whole album <laughs> Go ahead I, first of all, I'm, aren't we blessed to be able to work with those young people every day? Amen. I mean, they really do have a lot of wisdom. Sometimes you can't get at them because they're on their phones, but it's there. Yeah, and and I mentioned it to them. I said, I'm looking for some people outside of school to respond to Kanye's new album, and I want to know if you think this is a positive thing or a negative thing for mm -hmm. the Christian faith. Yeah, I, and and so I, they, they said, what do you think, Mr. Strickland? And I said... I'm not telling you what I think. I want to know what you think. So mm -hmm. just give me your honest reaction. Yeah. And I, that was the first time I got to hear them. It was really good. Um, and I think they're, I agree with them. You know, most of them agreed that it's a positive thing. You know, we have to wait and see where it goes from here. But, you know, meanwhile, let's, let's try to show him a little bit of love. You know, and I know there's still some things that when I hear it, it might feel a little weird or you know I, I, but i think we're all going through this same process he just happens to be in front of millions of people but we're all going through that sanctification process where he's you know and i think he did the right thing by stepping away from a little bit for a little while out of the spotlight and then coming back but he's still got some growth we all do yeah i agree and i was going to start with what you just said to give my opinion of it um, I realize that I don't realize everything that Kanye is going through mm -hmm. and that there's that sanctification process. But I see some red flags, in my opinion. I think, and, and I hope that they get resolved. Here, here would be just my number one. Uh, you know, he, he started border, bordering on what some people may call a little bit of a conspiracy theory near the end of one of his talks right before the song started. And it basically revolves around consumerism and how 
the media in America. And, and what some could say, that's what marketing is. If you take mm-hmm. marketing classes in college, you learn how to manipulate people's wants. Mm-hmm. Um, you appeal to the desires of people. And so it's a form of manipulation, but we all do it in our own ways. And we all experience that every day. But Kanye does it too. They're called Yeezys. They're, they're the one of the most expensive shoes on the market. And he wants all them young people to buy them. And so that to me is hypocrisy. I see an issue with that. Um, I see some things that I hope that God sanctifies. And, you know, Kanye in one breath is, is talking smack about consumerism, but that is how he is Kanye. And it's not like that has necessarily changed now that he is a Christian Kanye. Well, I maybe think, he's donating some of those shoes. Well, and, and, and I looked that up, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to forget to say that. He certainly does contribute a lot of money yeah. to charity. But even even the wealth aside, and I will go on record on this podcast saying right now, I think there is a point of wealth that is sinful. I, I, I believe that. I'm not, a, I'm not a liberal. I don't believe in, you know, communist policies. I don't believe in far-left policies, but I do think there is a point of wealth for a Christian that is beyond excess, that if it's not given away largely, is sinful. I think to accumulate and hold a certain amount of wealth, I don't know the line, but I think there is a line. That's my opinion. Not everybody agrees with that. But what I will say is that... I don't I really agree with that. I just want to go on the record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know most people don't. I think Solomon was um, the and richest Solomon's man in the world. life. Yeah, largely I know, was in the ditch. but I don't think that was because of it. And he was steeped in sin. I do. I mean, that's what the whole book of Ecclesiastes is about. I had everything, and it wrecked my life. Please don't do that. That's basically... Yeah, the, but that wasn't the sin. It was still his heart, his motives, his his how he made decisions. But maybe that was kind of like a symptom of that, but not the sin itself. I think... You know, you look at the story. I think it's just like the Bible says, you know, it's easier for a rich man to go through the uh, eye of a needle than to get into. That's one verse. Then you've got the verse where the guy says, man, I've got all this stuff. I'm going to tear down my old barns and build new barns and mm-hmm. fill them full of stuff and sit on my front porch, eat, drink, and be merry. And God says, you fool, this day your soul will be required. Because yeah, it's, but again, it's not saying that money is the problem, but it sure does create a lot of problems. I I. Disagree. God says in the word, the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah, not For, money. Right. But if you uh, allow yourself to accumulate copious amounts of wealth and it's not you're not being a vessel and a conduit for large mm-hmm. amounts of that to go through you, then that is sinful. That is sinful. You're right. You're right. right. So accumulating that much wealth, building barns and sticking it all in the barn, that's sinful. And that's my opinion. That is, but that you can't put a dollar amount on that because no, you can't don't know that. No, I put a dollar amount on it. But I'm just saying, I think there is a point of wealth that is sinful if it's not given largely. Yeah, as long yeah, I do think you got to give. But we agree on that. So anyway, I, I still see a lot of. If you listen to Kanye's album, and we recommend that you do, go and make your own judgment. There's some things that, like Elise said, that make me feel uncomfortable. I think that Kanye is got is going in an awesome direction. I've got my own mess that God's trying to work out in me, but I don't want my kids believing that money equals you know happiness and i still mm-hmm. see a little some hints of that and i see kanye bragging about his his status and wealth in some roundabout ways in some of his lyrics even on this album and i think that i think that Con, the, the thing i said earlier about consumerism I th- that's mm-hmm. an issue i think that's probably the single biggest issue in american churches is our materialism the reason why we... Amen. I do agree and, with that. And so... Materialism is a sin. It's different than being wealthy. So is wanting Yeezys that something that ridiculously expensive for an item that you could get half the price with the same quality? Is that sinful? I think that it can be. I, I think it's know. easier that it can be than it isn't. Um, I think that so, all you have to do is take a trip around our town where we live and see the need. And to be spending that kind of money on things that are exorbitant wants, I think it begins to move into the area of sin. That's my opinion. And it bothers me that Kanye is pushing that kind of brand, but yet 
he's, you know, talking smack about consumerism when he is the epitome of shoe consumerism in my mind. So. I don't know. I have to think about that. Yeah. (laughs) But I realize that when you've been in that world for so long and God does a change like that, it's very public, like you say. And how do you transition out of that? You know, maybe Kanye is starting to work on some of that. You know, maybe he's starting to figure out ways to navigate that. And and again, I don't understand what he's dealing with and how you would navigate and do such a big shift. I'm sure there's people, I mean, the president of his shoe brand and, and Adidas that makes the shoes. I mean, he's got all these people pressuring him. He's probably in contracts and all of these things. Um, but again, that's not the only thing that makes me nervous. There's other other lyrics that seem to suggest that it's okay to want a bunch of money and still be a Christian, you know, to want, you know, I, I don't know where the line is. I just think that if you're singing about it and you're coming across that way, it can be problematic if you're a believer. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Yep. I think, though, the important takeaway from this is – Yes, we can be aware of that and we can discuss that, but it needs to come from a place of support and love, really. Personally. But what about admonition? What about lovingly correcting? Yeah. See, the world I mean, wouldn't say that correct. I know, but that's correcting. not what he's been receiving. Right. You know, and I think you really, it is hard to do that. I mean, if Kanye happened to listen to us tonight, but he doesn't know me, you know. I, it, I know what you sung. Yeah, and <laughs> I, that's not what I'm saying. I know, but. If if a Christian can't receive that, that's a problem also. I agree. You got a point. It goes back to what we said earlier. We can't get so offended. We have to realize, hey, God can speak to me through a donkey. And if I'm so arrogant to think, that's a donkey, I'm a man, I ain't going to listen to a donkey, well, you're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. We have to be humble enough to receive wisdom from our eight-year-old daughter. We have to be humble <laughs> enough to receive receive wisdom from our enemy. We have to... and if. I say this all the time about the president. If I was the president, I'd want to surround myself with people that don't agree with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the sign of a good leader, someone that is that can hear an opposite view and take wisdom from it instead of getting offended and cast it out. You're right. He's right. I mean, that's just, <laughs> you know, that's the way I see it. But yeah, I, I, what were you saying? I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Well, I just, it's just sad to me that that's, he he's hearing the majority from believers is that they think it's not genuine and it's not real. Yeah, that he's not really saved. Yeah, yeah that, that that is off limits. Mm-hmm. You can't. Nobody's the judge of that. Right. Why are we even talking about Kanye's salvation? <laughs> you know. Right. That should not even be the discussion or open for discussion. But well, that's really what it boils down to. That's what people are 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 saying. It's not genuine. He's not really saved. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, it certainly makes for good discussion. I think that it's a positive thing, mm-hmm. a net positive. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think we should be praying for him. Yes. And I think <laughs> he even later on in that song, he mentions that in one of his lyrics. It's really good. Um, I suggest everybody go listen to it. It's really good. That song especially. Closed on Sunday. I'm glad he explained that in that comment because it gives him some perspective. Is that the what Chick-fil-A he's talking one? About. Chick-fil-A <laughs> one, yep. Closed on Sunday about protecting your kids. And I certainly agree with his passion on that. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something that we need to do a better job of. And I, that's the positive spin I've seen out of this is is his family, you know. And, and we know his family's all over the place sometimes. <laughs> the Kardashians, <laughs> they're uh, – but – but I just hope the best for her. But when you, uh, I've seen interviews with her, and um, she she's, supports she's a very, him, and she's also a very good mother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we don't see that side no. in the in the tabloids, but she's a very good. And mother. even on the show, they're they're not putting everything right. out there. And they 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 strategize how mm-hmm. to toe the line of like still being able to eat Thanksgiving dinner together, but still have a little bit of drama at all times. Yeah. You know. Um, but anyway, that's going to wrap us up for tonight. It was a really different podcast tonight with those audio samples. I was really glad that we were able to do that. Yeah. Thank the, you to everybody. The important part is, you know, who are, who are we fighting for? Are we fighting against? And if you're judging somebody else's salvation, you're probably not fighting for the Lord. Right. Even if you think you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say thank you to all the young people who, who agreed mm-hmm. and, and sent me a message with the uh, with their voice recordings. I really appreciate it. Um like I said earlier, you know, young people have so much to offer the kingdom. 
They have so much wisdom that we just brush under the rug. So thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us, guys. And we hope to see you guys in the next couple weeks. We, we're hoping to have a special guest come join us uh, on the next podcast where we'll be in Acts chapter 6. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thank you.